Let's take a moment and pray together. Lord God, um, we ask you to give us the blessing of open ears that connect directly to our hearts so that everything you have to say to us this morning from your scriptures would reshape who we are. We pray that for those of us who know Jesus. We walk with him in faith. We, we are not yet made perfect. We need to be reshaped by what your Holy Spirit will do through the scriptures this morning. And Lord, we pray that for people this morning who know that they don't know Jesus. Lord, we believe it would be good for every person present here today, wherever they stand in relationship to Christ, to be reshaped by the goodness that you will declare through your word. And Lord, I, I pray especially for those who feel this week that they are just overwhelmed so that even asking the question where they stand in relationship to Jesus is not the first thing on their minds. Reshape all of us through the word, by your spirit. Make us new. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it won't uh, come as a surprise to you that this week, in so many conversations in my own heart and life, I've been thinking a lot about heartbreak. Uh, we received terrible news this week from a sister church and school in Nashville. Many broken hearts resulted across our nation and world. And on Thursday this week, our family learned that a close friend of our daughter Caroline, a young woman who had worked as an intern with our denomination's campus ministry, Reform University Fellowship in California, this young woman passed away suddenly on Thursday morning, adding heartbreak to heartbreak. And as Steve mentioned earlier, this, this is Holy Week. This is the week when we think of the heart of Jesus breaking as he comes face to face with the terrible cost that he will pay to reopen the way to life and to love for us. When we come face to face with heartbreak, we need a healing that is just as real and just as deep as the pain. In the months of April and May, we're going to be working our way through Paul's letter to the Romans in the New Testament. We're going to find out what it means for our hearts to encounter what is real. And so today, we, we jump straight to the end, Romans chapter 8, <laughs> uh, the end of this series, because this chapter speaks in very real ways about both the heartbreak and the healing. Let's listen for those themes as Caleb reads for us this morning. This morning's scripture reading is Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through 23. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, 
then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brought something with me this morning. You might recognize what it is. It's a, it's a piece of pipe insulation. All right, it's made to go around a water pipe, keep it warm in the winter so it won't freeze. Um, the moment you look at this, you recognize that it's made to wrap around something with a very specific shape, right? The first clue that gives it away is the hole down the middle. It's, it's made to go over a pipe about that size. And, th and then you see this long slit, right? So, so you know it is meant to pop right over something round and fit perfectly. Uh, it's made out of foam, though, and I have found over the years that uh, you cheat and you try to use it for other purposes. Like, will this, will this uh, sort of go around my bicycle to keep it from scratching the bed of my truck as I drive out for a ride? This wasn't made to go around a bicycle. You start to stretch it in all these shapes it was never meant for and bend it all, all out of shape, right? And what happens to it eventually is it just begins to tear. Like you bend it so far that all it's going to do is break. It, it shatters. It's kind of brittle. It wasn't meant to take those shapes. That's what a human heart is like. Our hearts were made to wrap around a very specific shape, to wrap around the God who is the source of life and love. They're made to fit perfectly around who he is. You stretch a human heart into a different shape. You try to wrap it around something else. It's a shape it's not meant for. It's going to break. Today, what I want us to see is that our hearts are made for glory. As we learn more about that from Scripture, we'll find out um, why it is that we experience heartbreak and how to find healing. All right, here we go. We're going to store that right there. That's our reminder. What does it mean that our hearts are made for glory? A human heart was made to be wrapped around something truly glorious. In the Scriptures, the word glory... It has to do with lifting up. It, it, it has to do with everything good. Uh, it is the opposite of being brought low. 
Something glorious is something that lifts up, maximizes, generates more of life and love and joy and celebration and honor. It's not something that brings low. It's, it, it's not something, it, it minimizes suffering and sorrow and ruin and shame. You get a, just a little glimpse of that in this verse from Proverbs 14. In a multitude of people is the glory of a king. But look, look now what is the opposite of the word glory in this little one sentence. But without people, like multitude of people, the opposite is no people. The glory of the king, what's the opposite? A prince is ruined. Something glorious is, is something that magnifies life and love. It, it takes away ruin and loss and devastation and sorrow. Our hearts were made to wrap around something truly glorious like that. That's why the verses that we read this morning from Romans chapter 8 use this language of glory so often. Um, what is it that God intends for His children ultimately? Verse 17 is, so that we may share in His glory. Verse 18, our present sufferings aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us one day. And verse 21 says that creation itself is longing for the day that it will be brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Our hearts were made to be wrapped around this God who lifts up love so high the Father pours out such perfect love for His Son that it overflows and gets shared with many sons and daughters. That's this ministry of the Spirit mentioned in the first couple of verses of our reading. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. How do we become God's children? Well, because we're heirs of God. Well, how do we become children who will inherit all the good things that the Father wants us to have forever? By becoming a co-heir with Christ. He's the Son. And the Father's poured out so much perfect love on His Son that we get to become sons and daughters too. It's what um, verse 23 means as it talks about adoption to sonship. There's only one son, Jesus. And the Father has such perfect love for him that he pours out so much love for him. He magnifies this glorious love that many sons and daughters get to be loved just as perfectly by the Father as Jesus himself is. Our hearts were meant to be wrapped around a God who, who glorifies love in that way and who maximizes life. Everything in this text is telling us that our world is under a curse <laughs> and that curse is going to be overturned one day. And the proof that it's going to happen is that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if the Son has already experienced that, kind of life. And the Father wants all the adopted sons and daughters to have that kind of life too, which is why verse 23 says, you know, you know when our adoption will be complete? At the redemption of our bodies. That there's a kind of life 
that God wants his children to have that's so strong and so perfect that it can't be disrupted by death or by pain or by sickness or by sorrow. That's what your heart was made for. Our hearts were made for glory. Um, by the way, can I say that, uh, that that's what the Bible means when it talks about worship? This idea of wrapping your heart around something because it was meant to take that shape. And, and when you wrap your heart around that thing, it magnifies life and love. That's what the language of worship is about in the Bible. So when we come together to worship, it, it's kind of a, an acknowledgement that, hey, coming into the next week, I need my heart to be wrapped real tight around you, God. And, and I need some time to, to kind of make sure, make sure it's tightly wrapped around you, not around some other source of life or some other promise of love that will disappoint me, let me down. I, I need... My heart was made to take the shape of you. We wrap our hearts tight around him. They take the shape they're meant for. What happens if we wrap our hearts tight around something that takes away life? Something that takes away love? The result is real heartbreak. Just listen to the language of these few verses. Starting with verse 18, it talks about present sufferings, a word that has to do with pain. The things that we endure that cause us pain. That's what this word means. Sufferings in the present. Um, verse 20 talks about frustration. Verse 21 talks about bondage, a word that has to do with slavery. I want to get away from this, but I cannot, is what that word means. Bondage to what? Bondage to decay, to things breaking down, to things dying and beginning to rot. And then it, it uses the language of groaning. The whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth. And verse 23 says, it's not just creation that's groaning, but we ourselves groan inwardly. God is talking to us here about very real heartbreak. And it's not just human heartbreak. The creation is experiencing this heartbreak. Three times in just these few verses, that point is made. Verse 19, the creation waits eagerly for our glory to be revealed. Why? Because on the day that Jesus returns to bring all his people into his resurrection life and glory, all of non-human creation will be healed as well. The creation is longing and groaning and waiting for a day of glory to come. Why? Why? Because if you read Genesis chapter 3, you'll see that it isn't just the case that humanity walked away from God's goodness and blessing, but God pronounced a curse on the ground itself. That, that the created order is under this 
curse. God says, you know what? Food will grow. Keep tending the garden, Adam, Eve. You'll be able to grow all the food that you need, but, but it will come only with pain. And for every plant that you raise, thorns and thistles will grow beside it. When we fell, the world fell with us. And when Jesus was raised, there's the promise that the world will one day be freed from that curse. But for now, we groan. Why? Isn't that a pretty plant? Not if you touch it. That's a stinging nettle. Right? We can still grow food. Good things grow on our planet. Beautiful flowers grow but also thorns and thistles and things that hurt you. Um, stinging nettle, uh, it grows in lots of places. We, Tricia and I, got real familiar with this during our sabbatical last summer in southwest England. Um, these guys grow anywhere, everywhere. And if you touch it, it feels like your skin is on fire. You, you wish you had some poison ivy. Because at least poison ivy takes a little while to start itching. And um, there's something you can put on it, right, to, to sort of make, well, no, this stuff. It makes your skin feel like it's on fire for about 24 hours. And um, I remember this one day. It was the worst day of walking we had. You know, we walked 500 miles. And uh, most of those, five, you know, like 496 of those miles were glorious. But then there was this one day of walking where we are just surrounded by briars and thorns and prickly plants and stinging nettles everywhere. And so you're on this, we're on this tiny little trail and trying to do this to get around so we're not stung. And, and it's hot, so you're wearing shorts. I was like, I can't deal with this. I put on my rain pants, rain trousers for you British folk. Um, and, uh, and then I just started pouring sweat, but no nettles on my legs. So that's the trade-off, right? We can hear the ocean. We can't see it because these briars and thorns and nettles are just closing us in. And you're like, it's just right over there, and we want to see it, but we can't. That's what it's like to live in this world, even when things are going well. And it's a beautiful sunny day, and you're walking with your wife on a lovely path in England by the sea, even when things are going so well, they're not completely right. Even when the ground grows food, it grows thorns and thistles. Even when things go well, there's pain. That's the world that we live in. This is one of the reasons that I believe the Bible is true, and it's one of the reasons that I think you should as well. Because the Bible describes the real world that we actually live in. The scriptures don't say, hey, you know what? Heartbreak, it's only an illusion. If you could learn to let go of some of your desires, then your pain would disappear as well. Because heartbreak and pain are just an illusion. They're just the overflow of your overactive desire. And Scripture also doesn't say, you know what? Ah, 
The pain, yes, you're right, it's real. But it's just not that big a deal. So suck it up. Just get over it. I mean, yeah, it's not an illusion, but stop whining. Be more like Jesus. He didn't whine. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that Jesus cried out through loud cries and tears, and he was heard through those loud cries and tears. The Bible says there is real heartbreak in our world, and that heartbreak is so bad that not only we, the human race, are groaning, but the whole non-human universe is groaning along with us. It is so bad that the whole universe is crying like a woman about to give birth in intense pain and longing and desire for it to be better. The real heartbreak is that bad and that deep. No wonder our hearts are broken. No wonder we want to weep. No wonder it sometimes takes nothing to bring us to tears. They're that close to the service. No, no wonder we want to do something to make it better, but we don't know what to do. And some days we don't even know if we did that thing, would it even make a difference? That's what it's like to be a very real, groaning human being living in this very real, groaning world. The heartbreak is real and it's so bad and so deep that only one thing can heal it. Thankfully, Scripture doesn't leave us in that place of real pain and say, no, go find a way to fix it yourself. It says to us, yes, there's real pain, but there is real healing because the Creator Father has sent His Son to open the way to glory. I consider that our present sufferings, verse 18 says, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The Son has come to open the way to glory so that life and love and honor and celebration and joy and satisfaction can be magnified and suffering and sorrow and ruin and devastation can be taken away. Notice that this verse doesn't say, I consider that our present sufferings aren't really that big a deal, so get over it. What does it actually say? It says, they are so big a deal that the only thing I can think of that can outweigh them is the glory that will happen when the resurrected Son of God returns to lift the curse from the whole planet. Those sufferings must be pretty profound if it takes that kind of glory to outweigh them. So feel all the weight of those sufferings and sorrows and tears and know that the glory Jesus has won by reopening the way to life and love is even heavier, greater, and longer lasting than that. It's not that they are nothing. It is that he has won for us everything. He has poured out love so powerful it can overflow to us as adopted sons and daughters who have no right to be loved by the Father the way the only Son is loved, and yet He loves us that way anyhow. Life so powerful that it will set not only our bodies free from death, but the whole creation 
free from its bondage to decay. The frustration it feels because it is not made to produce thorns, thistles, and nettles. It's made to share in the glory that belongs to Jesus. And our Father has opened the way for that. How do we access that kind of healing? Faith, repentance, and family. Those are my three thoughts for how to access this healing. Faith, Jesus, even when all I can taste is tears, I trust you to open for me the way to life, love, and glory, and not just for me, but for all creation. You access that healing by saying, Jesus, I need a life bigger than what I can get for myself. I need a love deeper and stronger and more profound than anything I can imagine. And you are the only way to get it. I trust you. I give you my whole heart. Repentance. Lord Jesus, I don't want to wrap my heart around any kind of life or love except what comes from you. Forgive me for all the times that I've bent my heart out of shape and tried to wrap it around something besides you. Some version of life that doesn't come from you. Some version of love that is not yours. I've tried to wrap my heart around this kind of love that, that says I will love you only if you perform perfectly first. It's not love, that's legalism. Forgive me, Jesus, for trying to wrap my heart around that. That's not what you intended at all. Repentance. Walking away from every other source of life and love and, and say, Lord, all I want is what you offer. And family. I don't do this alone. Don't try to face the heartbreak of this world by yourself. You're not meant to. You're meant to be the child of a loving father. You're meant to have an older brother named Jesus. You're meant to have lots of other brothers and sisters, adopted sons and daughters who are part of the family. Who might be strong on days that you're weak. Or maybe on the days that we're all weak together. Can cry with you. Real faith and real repentance that unites you to Jesus will also unite you to the family of Jesus. That's how we access that healing. 